I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Goes into the penalty area. It's in towards Lampard. Right foot in shot. Brilliant save by Brad Friedel. It's Muller bringing it forward. Lovely reverse ball. Closes in again. Great save, David James, with his right leg. That's a save that might just have kept England in the World Cup. Valencia trying to attack the Chelsea goal. Comes back to Welbeck. Decent ball. Here's an What a save! Oh, the save of the season. Ginobili. Brilliant save again. By Courtois. Ball is in by Orr towards Cahill. This time it's Bresciano. That is a brilliant save. And a double save by Claudio Bravo. Delivered towards the edge of the six-yard box. Now Sajic down, then headed towards goal. What a save towards his right by Lloris. This is position A for Gareth Bale. 26 yards out, left-footed over the wall. And it's brilliantly saved by McGovern. And Nani tries another long shot, which strikes the post. And Howard produces a miracle save from the follow-up shot by Ada. Unbelievable stop that was. Being a goalkeeper gives you quite a unique perspective on things. You are part of a team, yet somehow separate. There are no grey areas with success or failure being measured in real time. And you have a physical job, which you can only do well by paying attention to your mental well-being. A great goalkeeper has to have the keys to a great mindset. To be able to work well in the box... I believe you have to be able to think outside the box. Those are not my words, but the words of Brad Fiddle, a former US and Liverpool goalkeeper, but he defines perfectly well the complexities of being a goalie. They wear different clothes. It is the only footballer that can touch the ball with his hands, has got different rules to everybody else. But what is it? Do goalkeepers need an element of insanity, as Oliver Kahn said, suggesting that uh, you are a born goalkeeper or in the words of uh, Gianluigi Buffon, one of the greats in goal, you score goals as a kid, then you grow up stupid and become a goalkeeper. We have brought to the studios of TalkSport two experienced and successful goalkeepers, Bormuths and Bosnia's international Asmi Begovic and Tony and Wayne, the number one at Spurs ladies. We will also listen to Barcelona's Marc-Andre Ter Stegen and Spurs' Hugo Lloris talking about how to overcome mistakes and why they became Goalies. This is Inside Football, a special edition about goalkeepers. John Obi Mikel holds the ball up on the left hand side, squares it here. Powerful shot just wide of the left hand post from Emeniki. Begovic down to his left and it's gone wide. And now Snodgrass who turns away from Wilson, curls it brilliantly. What a save from Begovic to pull that ball clear at full stretch. Right footed ball in, fabulous save as Cabela comes in and just glances it off his head. And it's a fabulous save by Begovic. Did you train today? I did actually, two sessions today. So, I just yeah. two, just the two. Yeah, gym session and an outfield session. All right, in the outfield session, uh, how many times did you dive? Do you know what? That's a good question. Um, I didn't count. I should check my stats. I could find out for you, but um, does that they put that in the stats? Yeah, everything. Yeah, our loads yeah. are measured every single day. Hundred? Um, yeah, maybe close to hundred. Yeah, a hundred. Did you train today, Tonya? Uh, I've got training tonight, so I'll be coming straight from here to training this evening. Same, I will do. Um, a goalkeeper session followed by our gym session afterwards. So you work and train, is that how it goes? I do, yeah. And yeah. you train at the end of uh, the day when, I guess, 
the training ground, fantastic training ground you've got as spares, is what, empty or? Yeah, so we train on a Monday, Wednesday and a Thursday evening. Um, so we'll, I'll go straight for, straight after work, stay a little bit later at work. Um, and the academy boys will train till about 8 o'clock and then we're in afterwards. So, yeah, pretty much when it's um, silent and uh, we're the only ones there. And when your body and mind is probably saying, this is the end of the night, feet up, television... Do you have to struggle? You have to struggle with your mind sometimes. In the winter, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's my my biggest tip is I stay at work because if I was to go home and it's cold outside and stuff like that, it's a lot more of a struggle once you're in a warm house to then go out again. Um, so I will always stay at work and just go straight to training from work. Um, but to be honest, I, I've done that all my life. Um, and I'm an evening person so the thought of getting up early and having to train in the morning is like a nightmare for me (laughs) I would rather just kind of drag myself into work and get myself woken up and then go to train in the evening because it's what I know is what I've been doing for too many years How many times do you have to dive in training Tonyan? It depends how particularly horrible my uh, coach is feeling that day (laughs) Um, yesterday probably non-stop for about an hour and a half so and a lot of it was up down up down stuff so you dive you hold the ball with your hands you dress different clothes uh, as you go into the training ground everybody goes right and you go left even though you probably will join with the uh, piggies in the middles and uh, the rondos and so on so you are a different kind of breed uh, you ever felt like that you feel like that yeah all the time um I think our profession is completely different to offer players. I think the mindset is completely different. Um, I actually don't know how we come together sometimes. I think, like you said, it's just that wanting to play and get the results as a team. But we are we are so different, and nobody, not many people understand us. You know, I don't think you can ever really understand a goalkeeper until until you've been in their shoes, until you've seen a ball fired at you at certain miles an hour and uh, having to deal with that. So, uh, with the pressures are different for us. So I think we. We approach our training sessions different. We have no room for error. You know, we, we, we strive for that perfection on a, on a daily basis. And I don't think outfield players are quite the same, or not many of them are. So we, you do feel different, but that is the part, the attraction that, that do you are different? Is that part of, of the attraction? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love it. I, um, I don't think that there is any sort of relationship that can really um, compare to a goalkeeper union. I think that um, it's one of those ones where, you know, obviously you always want to be that number one, um, but you look out for each other. It's like a a mini family within another family. Um, And obviously I don't know too much what it's like in in, um, for Azmir, but for us, we're kind of... um, our everyday life and stuff, we kind of confide in each other and stuff like that as well. So along with, like the goalkeeper coach and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, I love it. We are a different breed, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you do you mix more with the goalkeepers that I go? Probably, yeah. I mean, I've I've been lucky. I've had really good relationships with many goalkeepers. Never had any um, any bad relationships where it's been it's been naughty or anything like that. So we've always had a good goalkeeper group wherever I've been. And, like Tony says, it's, it's, the, it's the union that, that does exist. It's that family that does exist. We are the ones that always get shoved in the corner. You work in the corner where everyone else uses the field, and then we get shoved to another corner after that, and you know we get called and whistled over um, at any second's notice. And yeah, we do feel like an afterthought sometimes. That that's just the way it is. That's the way sometimes the footballing culture is. When um, you mix the rondos, the the biggest in the middle, that circle of players with one or two in the middle, yeah. uh, I my the friends I've got who are goalkeepers will tell me that they don't stay in the middle for long. Because even though they're probably with their foot not as good as the rest, they tackle yeah. really badly. <laughs> so they don't stay in the middle because yeah. otherwise uh, it'd, be, uh, it'd be a little bit of a nightmare. You've been in, in those big in the middle. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, we play the rondos regularly. So um, we get involved. Actually, we do our own little goalkeeper rondos too. So I think it's good for your general f- you know, footwork and, and control the ball and comfort, you know, comfort with the ball. So they, they do have their purpose. But... When we are with the team, it's no prisoners. I mean, it's definitely no mercy. I mean, I, if I'm in the middle, it's, it has to be as short-lived as possible. And But that's always the joke, you know. It's always a joke. Oh, uh, the two keepers are in, the two keepers are in. Even if the guys are, you know, getting, even if it's outfield players in the middle and they're getting 
play it around. It's always, you know, always having to make fun of the goalkeeper. So <laughs> that's why we have to return the favor sometimes. Does it happen uh, the same with you? Yeah, well, yeah, our coach loves it, Juan. He's, um, and he's got his own special one where you have to do 10 passes and then you pick it up and you have to clap. And if you, if you don't clap, you have to go in, etc. And he's, he's a bit strange, but um, I love going in. Um, but when I get a bit bored, I just like dive at their feet. So, <laughs> and then they get scared and then they give me the ball. So, Again, I'm, it's short-lived, but Good um, trick. I Good love trick. a tackle. So. You do have so much responsibility. Yeah, w- you cannot ignore when, uh, uh, when danger comes to you. You cannot ignore it. You have to deal with it. You cannot escape it. You cannot hide. So that's the kind of uh, obligations and responsibilities that you have. We're yeah. others. Yeah, no, I think there's some, there some really good characteristics to, have, you know, to being a goalkeeper that can be translated into life as well. Like you said, first and foremost, the responsibility. As I touched earlier, we... We have no room for error. You know, an outfield player makes a bad pass, and I think, okay, no problem. It's it's a mistake, but I'll just get on and I'll get the ball back. Whereas if we make that same mistake, it's a goal, and and you are you are in the firing line, and we're we're responsible for that, and we're responsible for the results. So, it, it, there is certain characteristics, like I said, that that are very important. Uh, it's a very humbling position. You know, it's a very mentally difficult position. So, you know, that's why, in general, I'm not saying because I'm a goalkeeper. I think we are. The most responsible in a team, always the I feel like generally the most mature because you have to deal with stuff at a very young age and and if you become a goalkeeper as the years go on, that means obviously you have to have a certain mental strength that that keeps you going throughout the game and you know we have to cope with stuff that other people don't and you know the pressure is like that we we're in a position where if we make a save that's expected of us and if we make a mistake it's costly so mm-hmm. that's and you, uh, you also have to deal with um, and probably more so for you. When you're playing, and a lot of the time commentators are not goalkeepers, and they're like, oh, I should have saved that. <laughs> and it's and a lot of the time, like I hear it sometimes when I hear the, the commentators, and, and I think, are you like, are you being realistic? Like, there's so there's it's so different um, to it's just, it is literally like a whole different sport in its own, and it's true. It's almost like you you have to babysit. Um, and you do come off that pitch sometimes. You might have only touched it two or three times, but the reason why you have to only touched it two or three times is because you've had to organise not just your back four, but your midfield and getting your strikers back, etc. as well. So a lot, like I said, mental strength is huge, and if you haven't got that mental ability, it doesn't matter whether you are an outstanding goalkeeper, you, you, you won't make it. Germany really stretching France and defending so now. Header towards goal, what a save! That is one of the saves of the tournament. Hugo Lloris's save is out of the top drawer. It's one of the best that I've seen for a long, long time. You are listening to Inside Football, a goalkeeper special with Tony and Wayne and Asmi Begovic, plus special guests Mark Andrew Terestegen and Hugo Lloris. to hearing that it's quite a not only a special uh, place in the pitch it's a difficult one as well of course let me uh, read you from uh, Shaka Hislop something he says which kind of uh, uh, goes into the next question he says surely anyone with a capacity for logical thought would opt for a job uh, less in the literal and metaphorical line of fire the responsibility the isolation the criticism why not play in the hall and avoid the lot <laughs> so I want to hear from you why you became a goalkeeper when I'm, I'm pretty sure that when you started, you kind of sensed that there was something special about being a goalkeeper. But first, let's hear from uh, Ter Stegen why he chose to be one. I like to work and go. I like to um, get the um, the strikers in a bad mood. I, li- I like to see them in a bad mood. So, uh, yeah, I'm trying to to save it all. It wasn't my, my dream at the beginning when you were young. And I was scoring goals. I, w- I was so happy. But I was happy when I when I was a goalkeeper in these um, opportunities opportunities I had. Then one day they asked me uh, to go to the, into the goal or leave the club. And uh, my decision. And I was playing for Mönchengladbach. It was always my dream to play for it. And um, then I said, okay. I decided to to go into the goal, even it was my my big dream at this time. That's Barcelona's Mark Andre Ter Stegen. And now let's hear from Hugo Lloris, why he decided to become a goalkeeper. You know, I think a uh, goalkeeper never used to be in, uh, in the spotlight. Uh, and maybe this is what I like too. 
because I don't really like the spotlight. And and goalkeeper needs to be humble uh, because the next game is always the most difficult. You cannot think too much about what you've done. You need always to look forward. And this is a bit my philosophy in life. Uh, so I'm really connected with my uh, private life and and, and my uh, professional life. So you hear a little bit of clues here why people decide to be a, a goalkeeper. One was a striker, but then he had to move on goal. And the other one, it feels like oh, Yoris want, always wanted to be a goalie. So in your case, Tony, why? I was almost forced into it as well. So I was always um, played out on pitch, usually like number 10, number 9, when I was younger. And um, when I was probably about 13, our goalkeeper got injured. No one else would go in, so I went in and um, obviously done well and was kind of pushed to, to stay in goal. So, um, yeah, I was one of those uh, strange creatures that always was like, well, I play half in goal and then can I come out on pitch because I like scoring goals. And um, and I do that. I actually do that now in training as well. If we've got a few more goalkeepers, I'll, I'll go out on pitch, albeit nowhere near as good as the rest of them. But, um, but yeah, I, I understand that I... I love the repetitiveness of of the goalkeeping. I love um, having a session, and like some people, the the players get frustrated when if they're doing the same thing and for for longer than like five minutes, they're like, "Oh, can we just move on to something else?" For me, I love that. I love being able to try and pr- perfect something um, and trying to take it into a game. Um, for me, that's that's more. Um, beneficial when um, I feel I progress more in that way rather than than being that person that you know I, I make a save in like the 30th minute and we win one nil for me if I've been working on on my distribution and I'm able to nail that 90% out of 100 in the game for me that's a win for that week because that's what I've been working on so you love the process but of course mm. you found that there was a, a talent there that yeah. has to be worked on yeah. and that's the way to get to the get to the top isn't it in your case as me your dad was a goalkeeper yeah did that help or yeah i mean for me um it was it was different slightly different to, to tony and obviously it's um it was natural for me i started long th- very early my my father was a goalkeeper my grandfather was a goalkeeper and at the age of four and five i just went in goal and never looked back and it was never never any thought on it any other thought in my mind than to be a professional goalkeeper from Literally, the age of five, I was telling people that I would. This is what I wanted to do. And as a five-year-old, yeah, it was never forced on me, and never, never anything it was just natural. I went to the field and watched my dad trained with him. He, he's my, well, my coach most of my life, and and that's that's how it happened. And my younger brother's a goalkeeper, you know. So it's just sort of in the family, and nothing else happened. And obviously, as the years go went on, and and as you understand the craft and everything else, I, I embraced being a goalkeeper. Embraced almost being the villain. Um, I embrace the responsibilities position and, and everything that comes with it. Um, and now, as you in the professional years and as you get older, yeah, it's it's the process of what we do, the repetition of what we do every day that that drives you and wants you to play this game and want to keep going. Because, like I said earlier about being a villain, it's you know, most people pay to watch people score goals. Not many people pay to watch the goalkeepers make the save. So it's it's fun to be in that different position and. And uh, as Mark Andre said, put the face on strikers and make them angry and people angry. So um, that's how my life, that's my story. That's that's how I became a goalkeeper. And that's that's what I wanted to do and never anything else. Is it true that your dad doesn't tell you very often or hasn't told you very often how good you are? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Does um, that work as a motivation? I am... Never, never use this motivation. Never use the motivation. I think it was it was good. My my father was my toughest critic growing up. Um, a, a difficult, you know, tough coach. He was really hard on me, and I, th- I think that that's what made like men, you know helps the goalkeeper be mentally strong. I think the game now, society now, sometimes become a little bit too too soft, and and I think kids didn't have the same drive. Obviously, I, I through life through you know my family being moved from one country to another to different continents because of circumstances was was part of that but obviously yeah my father was, was tough on me and and I appreciate that now we have a years on uh, we have we have unbelievable relationship and obviously we we get on really well and yeah I always wanted to emulate my dad I wanted to be him and because I think he had that sort of an idol position in my mind that's what I wanted to be like my, my like my father that drove me to become better and and push myself and and that's what helped me. I wouldn't change it for for anything. I think 
to to come from the the past that I came through in, a, in those circumstances to be to become a professional, you needed to be tough, and it wasn't going to be easy. And I think that's what that's what I needed, and that's what helped me through throughout the years. Tony, have your parents come to see you games often? Yeah, so same actually. My my dad, my brother, my younger nephew, and my other younger nephew as well. They're all goalkeepers, um, and for me, I loved watching. I loved watching my dad play, and I used to go and watch him play every week and stuff. Um, and that probably helped me when I was younger because they would go out and play football and they'd throw me in goal again. They were frustrated strikers and they just used to pummel balls at me. So that probably did help me kind of going into it when I was older. Um, but it was really my mum. Um, so I, was, I think I was about 15, 16. I was currently playing for um, a youth team on a like Colchester ladies on a Saturday morning playing 90 minutes with them and then going straight away and playing for a ladies team in the afternoon as well. Um, and she actually got me a, she got me two trials. She got me one at Fulham and she got me one at Arsenal. And um, I went to the Arsenal one and um, that was when Vic Akers, who's the kit man at the men now, is the, was the manager. And they offered me straight away um, to join them into their academy. Uh, which they'd only just started up that year, so that obviously is moving away from home, being at a college, etc. I then the week after went to Fulham because um, my mum's one of these people. She said, "Look, she had absolutely love Arsenal, but we've made plans to go somewhere else as well, so we'll follow that through." And they actually told me I wasn't good enough, that I would never make it. Six months later, I was in the under eighteen squad for England. So um, it's um, it's always nice to prove people people wrong and I think sometimes as well um, you have to be in the right place at the right time um, but the biggest thing for me is um, my dad died a year ago um, and he is a huge Tottenham fan so for me to have my season that we had last year we'd done the quadruple um, that was perfect for me because he was obviously proud of that and um, that's something that you can you can always think of being a, be, him being a huge Tottenham fan that, um, that I know that it would have made him proud. You've been uh, touching on some of the characteristics that a goalkeeper needs to have. Mental strength is absolutely key. And I remember hearing the likes of uh, Victor Valdez saying that every day in training, or every day in a game, was a, a day to suffer, not a day to enjoy. And he dreamt of having another life. In fact, if he was going to play football, not being a goalkeeper at all, that it was that kind of suffering. Have you been there, or, or that uh, mental strength that you need, you carry with you from the beginning, and you're comfortable with that? Yeah, I think um, it makes it makes a good point there. I mean, about suffering. I think obviously you you have to, you know, like anyone suffer physically, you have to you have to put the work in uh, to to perform on a match day, and we work extra hard during the week. You know, our physical output might be less on a match day. Than outfield players and other and other people, but you know our mental output is, is very very high on, on a match day, and we have to do a lot of work to be physically ready for these games. And also, I think from suffering, you have to learn to get beat. You know that's that's one of the key things. We we can't stop everything. People are going to score goals. You know, and I don't think um, any other position on the field deals with that. You know, we we have to understand that we are going to get beat. We're going to score on. Obviously, we want to try and minimize that. But yeah, there there is that mental side to to understand and. And come to terms with that as well. Do you have to be eccentric, or is that just a myth? I think you have to know what you want, and you need to know your team to be able to realise how to achieve that. Um, I think that because you you have to know you have to know your players. I, I've got some players at, at my team now where my centre backs I can absolutely go for them and have a go at them if something happens, and they'll be like, "Yep, okay." But then my right back is probably a little bit more sensitive and I have to, have to go away, like again, like I was saying, babysit. You have to go a certain way to kind of get the best out of them. Um, so, yeah, I think you have, you, do, you have that responsibility, don't you, to... I think with the players, they... Without being horrible to the players, they're very much themselves. Um, we have to think of everyone else. We train, you know, stupid amount of hours, hundreds of dives, like, all the time for that maybe that one shot in a game but everything else that we do is having to organize everyone else knowing their personalities knowing their traits working out you know what sort of mood they're in in a game how am i going to deal with them today in a game whereas the players will just think about what do i need to do today 
Um, so we have that huge responsibility to to manage the team as such on the pitch. We we then become that second captain as such to be able to try and get the best out of them of what we can, judging on their, their moods on the day. Has anybody got a pen? Yeah, can I have your pen for a second? Because I'm going to write in, in here the name of a top historical goalkeeper, which I'm going to share, share with you two, who hated training. Yeah, you've said that to me before, actually. Hated training. Yeah. Are you surprised? Uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, some, some, some people don't like the daily training. It's all about matches, you know, and um, they love the buzz of the games and, and, the, and the bright lights and things like that, and that's what it's all about. Um, that, that, that's different mentalities, you know. I've trained with people like that who are literally in and out as fast as they can and love the games and they can still perform in games, whereas other people are there from first in the morning to last in the afternoon and, and, and do absolutely everything and be around that place and love the environment, love the work and love to train today. So there's just different different mindsets, different people. I understand that, though, because when I was younger, I obviously, you know, going from 16, playing local football to then going to join Arsenal, six months later, being involved in the England squad, for me... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I was quite lazy when I was younger. I thought that, you know, ability would get you everywhere, and it really doesn't. And it's only probably the last 10 years that... um, that you that you do realise that, and I hate I hated training when I was younger, especially if I knew that we were doing something where I was going to be absolutely knackered, especially when we used to run. But now, like I love that individual part of training, and um, I always get it from my manager. No, you need to come and train with us now. And when they do the group ones, I'd rather just do the individual training rather than doing all of the the, um, the tactical stuff. Forward by Toyota into the right wing position. It's Sissoko sliding into Perez! What a save by Pantillamon! Flying to his left hand side. His big right hand comes over his head and he fingertips it away from the post. It's stamping out for a corner. It was beautiful. You are listening to Inside Football, a goalkeeper special with Tony Ann Wayne and Asmi Begovic. The next words come from Lev, Lev Yashin. The Black Spider, I think he's called in English as well. He says, what kind of a goalkeeper is the one who is not tormented by the goal that he has allowed? He must be tormented. And if he's calm, that means the end. No matter what he had in the past, he has no future. You are tormented by the goals that you concede. You both look like you are anyway, every time you concede. Yeah, of course. I, I think, yeah, everyone, like I said, everyone has a, each individual mentality. I think you... You have to not want to concede. You have to hate conceding a goal because that's that's our job not to, not to do that. But at the same time, it happens. And um, I think 
I think there, there's more frustrating goals than others. You know, if someone, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo bends the top corner, then there's not, maybe not much you can do. So there, there's just one of those things. Uh, if there's a goal that you or the team could, could have prevented, then obviously those hurt a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think that has to be a want not, to not get beat. That, that, that's normal. You yeah. feel the same to me. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I mean, I'm, I hate conceding in even in training even my coach like I'm always moaning at him but it's different I think that you've got you and you do have to because you will absolutely torment yourself to hell if you if you are really so sensitive to every goal that you let in um like I said if there's one that you there's nothing you can do about it, sometimes you've just got to stand up and go fair play like that was a decent strike but if it's something that you feel that you could have done better with, I probably almost anal- over-analyse myself. Um, and I will always... And I have to kind of get myself out, out of it quite quickly because even after the game, I'm kind of in the game talking myself through it. Well, what, what could I have done? Where? And sometimes I have to try and get out of that, um, that mentality to just think, right, that's happened now, that's gone, and you can deal with it later. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I do understand that. I do... I hate... I hate conceding, and especially when there's, like you said, when you've got players and you're winding up players because you're making their saves, it works the other way around as well, that they'll wind you up when when they're scoring, and it almost becomes um, like a competition within training to um, to make sure that you're, you're the one that's telling them they're not good enough rather than the other way around. It's like you're fighting in the same team. You, the ones with the different clothes against the rest of them, and vice versa. And on that, I've heard goalkeepers uh, saying that they kind of celebrated for a bit a mistake of one of your teammates because it allowed you to make a save or to uh, to stand out. Do you ever think like that? Personally, personally, no. Um, you know, I think there's no better game if you if you touch the ball once keep a clean sheet you know that means obviously that as we said earlier you organize your team well everyone was doing their jobs your your positioning was spot on I think those for me the best games when nobody mentions you you know and obviously we know in the goalkeeping world that every game is exhausting no matter what it is and mentally if not physically sometimes um, but you know the best ones when people say oh you didn't have anything to do today and the ball comes to you and it's a high ball and you make one of those mistakes that are with you forever. The goal uh, is because of you. You are responsible for it. Let's hear first from Ter Stegen how he deals with mistakes. I think you need to see it a different way. I think, uh, of course, some some players or some goalkeepers, they they take it home. They take it home, of course. Me, if I do a mistake, of co- a mistake I, I'm, I'm taking it home and I, I say, wow, how could, could this have ha- uh, has happened? But I'm I'm saying also that that uh, mistakes are part of the life, and you and you need to think about how you should improve or how you can improve. And this is what I'm doing. I'm trying to to see the mistakes very clear. Like you see what you did, and this is where you need to to uh, work on. And this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm not trying to leave them getting so close to, to me as a person. Is there any mistake you want to share with us that allowed you to learn to make a jump in your in your performances after that? I've actually got first hand of that this season. Um, we played Brighton in the um, in the cup. I actually made two mistakes because of the sun. Even being experienced and playing for many years, like that did hit my confidence in, in that game. My philosophy is, like I said, we, we will watch back our games and I'll always pick up stuff that, that might not necessarily be a mistake or anything like that, but I feel that I could have done better and want to do better. Um, and for me, I, just, I always go into training and just work that little bit harder just to try and... I kind of try and train out that mistake in my head more than anything try and train get that out of my head as quick as possible and get into the next game to and I you never forget it I, I don't I never forget the, the mistakes that I've made um, and I think that you probably remember those more than kind of saves that you've made um, but that's because we're perfectionists we we always want to we always want to improve we we never want to be that villain of the team that um, you know the ball could go past 11 people all of them could make a mistake but we make that mistake and it, and it's documented and, and that 
that loss is down down to to us in our eyes. Can we travel to one of those uncomfortable yeah. moments? Yeah, we can see a few of those over the years, Guillaume. Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, I think. Listen, you do have to find that balance, you know. And I think because we live in our own little bubble, you know, we understand it's a process. You 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 play a game, you make mistakes, you do good things, you know, and that you need to continue to do and then obviously things you need to improve and that's that's the process that we love you know you analyze the game you work on it you improve it and you play the next game and do it all, do it all over again and I think there's of course there's mistakes that are they're more impactful than others um you know we we're we are human so these mistakes will affect the result and if you lose you feel bad for your teammates your um uh, the club the fans and everyone of course we have feelings and you know obviously as you, as you go older and you get older and wiser you understand to deal with these things a little bit more but you know there's different mistakes I had a mistake this early this year um, West Ham boxing day absolutely pouring it down pitchers waterlogged they get a pass back try to clear it and I slip and literally draws to the guy and he taps it in and you think well was that even a mistake I mean, what was I supposed to do I, I wasn't stretching I wasn't anything but it's a mistake and everyone looks at you and you're, you're apologizing for something that's, that's a freak incident you know I think and then there's a technical mistake where Maybe you uh, you come for a cross and you shouldn't have, and those are sometimes even easier to deal with because okay, I know what I did wrong. So there's different types of mistakes, different kind of experiences, and these are all part of your journey. And I think that's that's the big picture. I think I've shared with you in the past, Asmir, this story of a Premier League goalkeeper who uh, got injured after every mistake. So he made one big mistake. He was injured for a few days, literally because the next day he wouldn't get out of bed. His wife couldn't get him out of bed. He, it doesn't matter if the manager rang, it's just he will not get out of bed. The, the second day he will get out of bed, but wouldn't get out of the house. And it took him a while to go back to training. This is a Premier League goalkeeper, and this is the mental strength that we're talking about. Funnily enough, he's now a goalkeeper coach, so didn't hate it as much as to just completely abandon the game. But you yeah. must have felt that dreadful sometimes. But the next day you have to go to training, I guess. Well, I think that that again is you know as we talked earlier, talked a lot as every everyone is a, their own individual and deals with stuff. And I, I know for a fact that when I was younger, I deal with this stuff a lot more. You know, obviously had a heavier burden on me. And you you make a mistake and you say to goalkeeper coach, well, what what happened? What could I have done? What was I supposed to do? You talk to your father, you talk to your wife, your girlfriend, whoever it is, and you, ever, you make a big mistake. And they said two days later, you're you're still thinking about it. Whereas now. You know, personally, you get older and things happen in the game. You go home and you have your kids running at you and daddy's home and, 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 and stuff gets put in perspective a lot more. So everyone as an individual has, has these moments and deals with these things in a different way. Your job has changed so much in the last few years. And I guess both of you have been part of that process where you had to change the way you thought. I remember talking to Joe Hart, for instance, uh, about must have been three, four years ago. And he himself says that he struggled he struggles now a little bit, perhaps, because he was taught as a reactive sort of goalkeeper. That was the kind of coaching that he had, where he was like a, yeah, waiting for something to happen to him. And now the coaching is more about proactive, about understanding the game. Victor Valdez always talks that Pep Guardiola taught him when he was 27, 28, taught him the game. Uh, so then he can anticipate and see what's about to happen instead of waiting on your goal line to what's going to happen. So you've gone through all that. You've gone through the... Uh, playing with the ball with your feet and, and would have, have to improve that. Is that part something annoying that you have to change it all from what you learn? Was it difficult? Was it hard? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, from, from when I started, um, you're talking almost 25 years now. Um, the game has, has changed a lot. It's part of evolution. It's part of the way it goes and you go with that and, and that's the challenge. Sometimes the beauty of it and how the game evolves and how you go with it and yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of different areas where, when you know when I was younger to now that 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 just changed. The one like you said is the distribution aspect. You know when I was started, you were the pass back rule wasn't wasn't even in it wasn't in play. So they they pass it back to you, pick it up, and you move on. Whereas now, obviously you're it's everything done with your feet, and you have to start attacks, and you have to understand the game in a, in a completely different way. So you've had to change. It's I've I've had to work really hard to get to grips with the demands of the modern game and, and, and learn and get better and improve and I have to keep doing that, that's for sure. And like the pace of the game, the balls are faster now, the, the athlete, you know, the players are fitter and stronger, so the ball travels at a different pace, so it means you have to be faster every single season and 
And that being a proactive, I think that's one of the biggest things that goes unnoticed to the naked eye. It's our, it's our positioning. It's our how, how big our distance is to our defenders, you know, whether that's from a ball from 60 yards away over the top, whether it's around the box, slip balls and little chips over the back line. So can you, can you affect the game in different ways? You're starting position from set plays. Can you uh, be in a position to be aggressive and, and put a doubt in the taker's mind? So there's a lot more that goes into the game now than, than before, I would definitely say. I've always felt like I've always been a goalkeeper in the wrong era um, because me starting out, and I used to give everyone heart attack, I've always been a sweeper goalkeeper. Hmm. Um, and, a, and I think it's always about being in the right team for the right fit. Um, I've been in teams before um, that I've always, I've always swept up from behind and, and they've hated it. Um, I've never really changed that. Um, that's probably my stronger suit. I would rather, if I think that I can get there, I would rather get there than clear it than have a, a one-on-one because that's probably not my, my strongest area. Um, but one of the, I'd say one of the things that has changed over the last couple of years, um, and a lot of it is where I've been at Tottenham with my new um, goalie coach, is um, he does a lot watching um, Hugo, and um, a lot of what he does because he's quite small. Um, if someone is to take a shot, rather than uh, I would imagine with yourself being quite tall um, and like your presence, you will probably come out to the six-yard box narrow it down to try and make the save whereas with Hugo he will someone will take his um take a touch out and he'll be like right okay well I'm more effective with this if I drop to my line and I've got that split second to be able to get across because he's very very good at his reactive um like getting across for his saves and that's something I've had to learn you know in my 30s having to try and learn something completely different where I'm used to coming in to narrow the angle to then get in the complete different mind frame to be able to, to then drop onto my line to make that save. Um, and I think it has improved, improved my, um, my game. Um, but it does, it, it takes, it takes so, so much time. Like as we were saying, it takes so much of your time to learn that and try and master that. Um, I think for players, it's, it's pretty much always been fairly the same for them. Yes, the speed and the ability and the fitness and stuff has increased. Um, but as a goalkeeper, if you're not ever changing, if you're not um, trying to to change your game to to suit the team that you're with, etc., then you won't succeed. Some coaches say that actually, where they sit in the benches, they don't see much of the game because it's not too not not high enough from the goalkeeper position. Do you see much of the game? As in. Do you see enough detail of what's happening at the other at the other side of the pitch? Um, yeah, I think that you you have a good um, a good perspective on the the game, and you can pretty much see everything. Um, but a lot of, a lot of the time, for me, if if we're in the final third, um, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the the striker who is hovering off of my my centre back, who's daydreaming watching the ball. Um, so a lot of the time you are still organising even though the ball's nowhere near where you are you are still always organising always making sure that the players aren't daydreaming because they do it a lot um, to make sure that when it does come over that you know they're as organised as possible um, and then if I am on the bench you obviously see a lot more things and then also if I'm watching in, in the stands you see, you see even more so there, there's so many different ways to be able to see a game and there's so many little things that you can see and I think that your view on it isn't always the 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 correct one the managers isn't always the correct one um the left back the right back etc I think that everyone um has an area that that they're um that they they know best that might not be um what you can see and I think that's where you you if you've got a good manager that um, that listens to their players and, and stuff like that and you work well, that is obviously, that can be really positive for the team. Here's Dan inside the area, knocks it back to Glenn Murray. Murray, great save by David De Gea. It's a wonder save by the big goalkeeper. He spread his limbs like a spider and he managed to stop Glenn Murray from making it Crystal Palace 2, Manchester United 1. Certainly that should have been a goal. Because of David De Gea, it wasn't a goal. 
You are listening to Inside Football, a goalkeeper special with Tony and Wayne and Asmi Begovic. At the point of the referee pointing out at the penalty spot, what do you feel? Are you nervous? Are you happy? Is your moment? Well, it depends what the circumstances are and if the if, the, if we feel aggrieved about the call or not. And um, you know, I think a lot of different emotions go go through your mind and, and through your body. But ultimately, I think you know we're we're in our zone when we play. You're focused and. You would have done your homework before the game about who's taking it, what the circumstances of the game. So, you know, normally I, I feel pretty comfortable in these situations, although my penalty record has been great over the years. But, you know, um, I feel comfortable what, uh, what what I want to do and um, what the situation is. I always look at my goalkeeper coach and see if he's got any message for me with his hand signals or not. But I'm uh, pretty, pretty comfortable once once you get into the final stages of the, of the penalty happening. I don't think you're ever happy. Um... Like Asmir said, it, it depends on if it was um, the right call or if whether you felt it wasn't the right call. Um, but pretty quickly, you've got to get into your back into your your mindset. Um, and again, for me, um, obviously trying to do that uh, to do that homework. Lucky enough, over the last kind of three or four years, especially at Tottenham, my my success rate's been been quite good. Um, so I probably feel a little bit more confident, and um, and I think that when I've had penalties, when I've had them against people, I've there's been at points I've saved saved penalties. So um, obviously you you have that little bit of confidence, um, but realistically for for a, a player, you know that's a free free shot on 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 target. So you are in a um, and you're in a, um, a situation where if they score, they're expected to score. If you save it, you know you've you you've, you have done what what you need to do. But ultimately, you know we know that that's our job. That's our job to to get there. And um, I, I'm always disappointed any time one goes in, whether or not I could do anything about it or not. Mental games help at all at that point? Yeah, sometimes there's a bit of trash talk going around, and you're trying well, to what, what take his mind. What would you say? Well, you say, I know where you're going, or, you know, your parents might be watching, don't miss, don't let them down. Or <laughs> That's a good one. Things like that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe not the nicest of words I've chosen, but um, you say certain stuff. Yeah, you get on, you waste a bit of time, go get a drink, you, you try and delay it, try and tie your shoe or something, you know, just uh, to maybe put a little bit more pressure on the, on the taker, you know. But, you know, I'm not saying it works all the time, but it's just, yeah, different games you can try. I have to thank you for dedicating this time to us. You came from Bournemouth. You came from... So it's far. Thank you very much for coming over. But before you go, give me a little bit of storytelling, a little bit of literature. Find me a safe, the safe of your life. You could be five, ten when you did it. And explain to me why it meant so much and what you did that was so absolutely memorable. Um, it's difficult to pick just one game. <laughs> um, no, I. Do you know what? I'm actually I'm not that fast generally on on saves. Like we've talked before, it's about a collective, collective result and collective win and that feeling of uh, achieving success and you know winning trophies. Is, those are the things that, that really really matter. But in some saves there yeah, they feel better than others for sure. Um, to go in one. Um, Actually, I've gone for my Stoke days. Um, you know, we had the fourth or fifth season in the Premier League, and we uh, never beat Man United. Never ever. The team, I don't think the club ever had, or maybe for a long, long time. And uh, we played them at home. It was uh, beginning of February. We, we began the day in the drop zone. Uh, results hadn't gone our way, and uh, it was a big game for us that we had to really win and get results. And we we go down one nil. Um, Charlie Adams scores a screamer. Um, we get a deflected goal, make it two one. Fantastic! And it's ninety third minute. Wayne, Wayne Rooney has a free kick, and um, it's twenty yards out. But put a four man wall up, um, go in my position, and he bends it right over the wall. And I fully, you know, fly at the ball, stretch myself, and and the hand is rich in the top corner. And I save that, knock it onto the post. Uh, the guys do well to clear the rebound, and we win the game to one and finish ninth of the season. So it was one of those turning points collectively as a team 
um, big result for the club. You know, their biggest rival up there was was Man United for whatever reason, and you know, to win that game was was special. And you know, those are moments obviously you work for, and those are the saves that we train for every day. Tony, yeah, you've I got. I remember that save. I was watching uh, that game. Yeah. It was decent. Um, yeah, for me, the, the, it's the, it's the same. It's um, to have to have a game where it's it's going so well and it's such an, an amazing game. Obviously, um, you don't always remember those 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 little things that you do. Um, for me, last year was probably by far the best year that we've ever had. Um, we won the uh, the quadruple, um, and I think we had already won two of the cups, um, and we were playing in I think it was um, one of the the county cup finals against Charlton, who were our rivals. We played them about six times that year, and we always play them in finals, etc. Um, and we hadn't played very well in the game. Um, our, our passing was a bit off. We looked a little bit nervous. And um, that actually went it went into penalties, and um, it was quite frustrating because I'm I'm not too bad at, at penalties, but it was always those ones that you know I made. I think the first one I got a foot to, and uh, it still went in. The second one I'd saved, but then their goalkeeper saved, and it was the um, the fifth penalty, and um, and I kind of and I knew the player because I played with her before, and um, this is the one for the win. This is the one for the win, yeah. And um, I kind of said to her that I knew that you were you're going to miss it, and tried to get in her head a little bit. And um, and it went to my right, and I and I saved it. And um, for me, just to be able to, um, obviously, I'd done my job for the for the whole season for us to do what what we'd done. Um, but but to be able to have that sort of impact on on the team and kind of see my team coming towards me that I now class as my family um, that will always stay with me, I'll never forget that This is Inside Football a goalkeeper special with me Guillem Balaguer and guests Tony and Wayne and Asmir Begovic None of our guests were eccentrics as goalkeepers are supposed to be perhaps that is another one of the many myths of their profession Instead, both Asmir and Tony Ann have embraced their role on the pitch with the utmost professionalism and happy with their responsibilities. I think we have heard things about being a goalkeeper that do not get told in a post-match interview. Things about mental strength, leadership, the pain of diving and the pain of conceding. Yes, they did not take the easy route into football, but in my eyes, they are in the most fascinating journey you can take. I am Guillem Balaguer, and this was Inside Football, a goalkeeper special. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 